A Thousand Lives Lived podcast. The podcast where a thousand lives come to life. Where mysterious creatures take flight. Where the blind lead and where space is transversible. A place where the imagination is unleashed. Anything can happen. Hi friends and welcome to the show. I'm Hazel Danes and today I'll be joined by American author Jordan Rivett. Author of 23 books and counting, Jordan's writing style consists of swashbuckling fantasy and post-apocalyptic and dystopian sci-fi. Jordan started her career as a published author with her first book Seabound in 2014 and has been writing consistently ever since. With her newest release, The replacement is now available on Amazon as of October 15th. We recently posted our review of her post-apocalyptic novel, Wake Me Up After the Apocalypse. For those of you who missed the episode, we loved the book. Here is a snapshot of the plot. When a killer comet hurtles for the Earth, 18-year-old Joanna Murphy is selected to wait out the apocalypse in an underground bunker. She enters cryosleep with her close-knit team, preparing to resettle the planet after the atmosphere clears in 200 years. Joanna is the only one who wakes up. Faced with a bunker full of bones and a blocked exit, Joanna must crawl her way to the surface, figure out what happened to her team, and try not to panic or die. That's going to be tricky if she's the only person left in the world. Okay, so let's get started with our very first question here. Jordan, just tell us about your journey as a author. Yeah, well, thank you very much for inviting me on the show. Um, I just really love writing. Most of all, I love to write the kind of books that I enjoy reading, um, but I didn't actually start out that way. Um, when I first started writing, I had recently moved to Hong Kong. I'm an American author, but I live in Hong Kong and I sort of started doing travel style writing just to process my experiences and discovered that I enjoyed the writing process and so sort of worked my way back around to actually writing the types of books that I love to read. Um, and those are of course science fiction and fantasy, especially post-apocalyptic and dystopian science fiction uh, and young adult fantasy of the epic variety. So those are the things that I've always loved as a reader. Um, and it just took me a little while to realize that actually the kinds of things that I love to read are also the kinds of things that I love to write. Um, so I started with a series called Seabound, which is a post-apocalyptic adventure set at sea, and it kind of broke even. I learned a lot. I learned about myself as a writer and about the writing process. Um, and then I did my first big fantasy series, which is called Steel and Fire. And it was the one that sort of took off and allowed me to uh, be a full-time writer. It's my full-time day job now. Um, and it was the one that helped me start to find an audience. And along the way, also learn to be a better writer. Hopefully, I'm always trying to get better and better with every book. Um, so since then, I've basically written, well, my 22nd novel just launched a couple of days before we're recording this. Um, wow. Both in science fiction and fantasy genres. And I've just been having so much fun uh, getting to explore different subgenres uh, and learning more about uh, the writing process. So I'm, I'm having a blast, actually. It's a lot of fun. Well, that that's amazing. 22 novels. I mean, um, like, 
we're the hosts on our show we're all writers so I'm so interested in like the process and like how long does it generally take you to do a novel yeah um I usually like to work on two at once so that I can do a draft of one and put it away to to kind of sit I think they I think books kind of need to simmer and you need a little bit of distance from them so I will do a draft of one and that might take a month and then I'll go spend a month on a different book and then come back. So back and forth, the, each individual book might take four months, but then that might be spread over, you know, six, seven, eight months, depending on what else I'm working on. So I think four to six months uh, to complete a novel to the point where it's ready to send to the editor. Um, but in between that, it's not necessarily a, a strict four month process for me. Oh, that, that sounds like a, like a really good process. Um, like my experience is similar where I can't, it's hard to concentrate on one world, like for, and from start to finish, right? Like, it's nice to kind of come in, go out, leave it to simmer, as you said. Yeah, that's really good. Um, so you mentioned that you work with an editor. Um, how do you, how, how does that process work for you? Do you enjoy working with the editors? Um, have you ever just done self-editing or... Yeah, um, I self-edit a lot before it ever gets to the point where I send it to an external reader. Um, I'm very much a proponent of the the fast, very fast, very messy rough draft. Uh, and then I go back and do the really, really difficult work in the second draft where I fix all of the plot problems and move things around um, as I need to. And then in the third draft, I start to refine and really figure out, you know, the places where I want to flesh out the world and, and deepen the characters and all those kinds of things. So I've actually done quite a lot of editing by that point. I will do three drafts. And then that's usually the point where I'll send it to some readers, usually not, not a full edit. I'll send it to some beta readers, or um, I'm also in a local writing group and I will send sections to other writers to get their feedback uh, and then go back in and edit again. And then if it needs it, I'll edit again. And so I've actually done quite a lot of work and sort of massaging the actual raw material before I get to the point where I send it to the editor. And okay. so for the editor, it's usually draft four or draft five. And then at that stage, it's grammar and sentence fluency and those types of things that I have, I've read the book too many times to be able to see for myself. So it's right. an absolutely essential stage. Even if I basically know the rules of grammar, I, you know, you kind of hit a point where you can't really see those mistakes in your own work. Um, so it's a stage that I absolutely would never skip, but I do think that there's value in really working with your material yourself and fixing the kind of things that you can fix first before you get an outside voice. Because right. quite often you're, you're capable of, of recognizing the mistakes in your own work, especially with practice, you know, mm -hmm. but, uh, and then the more that you can do that, uh, in your own time, then the more valuable it will be when you've hit a point where you can't see your mistakes anymore to have somebody else come in and say, oh, of course, of course, here's the part that still needs work or here's the change you need to make yeah yeah that that's awesome that's awesome um so I think we'll we'll get into some questions to do with your actual book here which I absolutely loved um so my first question for you is who is your favorite character yeah uh so I think the listeners will have heard wake me after the apocalypse is a post-apocalyptic novel about a girl named Joanna who has been put into a cryo tank and cryo sleep for 200 years to basically wait out the effects of the apocalypse. And then she's supposed to wake up and resettle the planet after the atmosphere clears. 
Um, and she, at the start of the novel, she wakes up and discovers that the bunker that she's been staying in has been destroyed and it seems that everyone around her is dead. So it's quite uh, a harrowing situation for this girl to be in. Um, and she is uh, specifically an optimistic, forward-thinking, brave, bright sort of character. So she's my she's my favorite, really. And, and the whole series brings in quite a lot of different characters, but um, I think she's really the heart and soul of the of the series um, and of the book. So I, I know maybe it's cheating to say the main character is my favorite right. character, but, but she is <laughs> because I think that her attitude, her sort of optimistic attitude in the midst of what is a dark and difficult situation kind of makes the book. And I think that that's why people respond to the book a lot of the time is because it's not doom and gloom and, and death, even though it's an apocalypse in which everybody has died. So right. I think that that's, I think, I think that's the key. I think that she's, I think that her sort of optimistic attitude is, is the thing that kind of makes the, makes the book work for me. And that's kind of what made it, made it so much fun to write. Uh, yeah. And I think that, um, you did a really great job with, uh, making her response to the situation realistic where like you know it is impacting her but it's not mm -hmm. impacting her to the point where she's debilitated mm -hmm. right and I think that like to from a writer's writer's perspective like that's pretty tricky to put on paper and I just like that that was just so well done like very well done <laughs> yeah. uh, if you're wondering I think that I really liked Garrett um, not that I didn't like Joanna, but I mean, uh -huh. Garrett, Garrett, uh, was portrayed as such a, like a, just a solid sort of guy. And mm -hmm. I just love what you did with the, the twist, which I'm not going to reveal. I just, I just love that twist, like the midpoint twist, um, where I still liked him, uh, mm -hmm. because really he hadn't done anything wrong. Um, but you, you make this kind of character, uh, like you create a sort of inner, what do you call it? Inner, like boiling, like he's struggling with something, but there's not much he can do about it. And mm -hmm. that's just such a, a great thing to do with characters. Like, it's just, uh, I just love reading it. I love writing that. Like, it's just, it was just so well done. Like, oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, he's somebody who he starts out as such an idealist. And actually, I think several, Joanna as well, like several of the characters, they start out so idealistic. And really, they are, they're put through the ringer and so the circumstances sort of force them to mature. And I think that his his journey is really a maturing journey. So yeah, oh, yeah. Just, I'm glad that that sort of comes through. It, um, it does. Yeah, did a great job. Uh, okay, so second question here was, uh, what was the most difficult scene for you to write? Yeah, actually, I find transition scenes really difficult where some time needs to pass. You know, the characters mm -hmm. need to kind of be moving, moving through and in fantasy, it's often a journey, you know, or in something like this, it's setting up camp or figuring out kind of what what the lay of the land is. Um, and I think that that transition, it can stretch out and feel really long. And I know that that's something that I've, I've struggled with and I've had to learn. And I think I'm better at it now than I was even when I wrote this book, which came out in 2018. But I think that those transitions between the major plot moments um, are always the most difficult for me to write. Uh, so they, I would, those are the places where I'll often go back and spend more and more time condensing and tightening so that it feels like the action is moving along while still yeah. communicating it. You know, it's a couple of days later and you know, various sort of relatively mundane things have happened. So. I, it's not it's not a flashy moment, but it's actually the flashy moments are easier to write, I think, because they're fun and there's a lot happening and there's a lot of opportunities for dialogue. But I think that the sort of 
having time pass moments are, are more difficult for me as a writer. Yeah. Yeah. I totally understand that. It's like use of commas, like lots of commas, right? <laughs> Trying yeah. to shove a lot into one sentence and then, and then it's just like, okay, next. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Uh, okay. So let's see if I can keep with these story related questions here. So um, what was a source of major inspiration for this book? Um, for this book in particular, it was so that all the 90s disaster movies. I don't know if you remember Armageddon and Deep oh, Impact yes. and movies like that, where they're a little bit cheesy, but also really heartfelt. And there are these big sort of huge set piece moments uh, with the big disasters that happen. And I just love that kind of thing. I love that characters having to, to survive a natural disaster that may or may not be portrayed realistically. And you don't care because you're just right there with them and you're wanting to sort of survive the journey with them. Um, so it was partly that. And then of course, the all the early 2010s dystopia novels, you know, Hunger Games and Divergent, oh, and yeah. all books that were popular, you know, in sort of a big rush that I wanted that kind of style. And that I was really writing for that type of audience, but then also heavily uh, inspired by all the 90s disaster movies. I love those 90s disaster movies, even yep. um, up to like 2012. Was it 2012 uh, that mm -hmm. had the, yeah. The disaster movies and then the uh the day after tomorrow those sort of they're just so like it's so easy to understand the characters and what motivates them and that there is obviously a big problem you have to kind of like wonder am i communicating this problem well enough like it's it's quite obvious right so yeah uh, yeah and it has all this opportunity for drama which is helpful as a writer when you're trying to figure out how to keep the story moving yeah and it's also a big problem like that uh, often includes a big group, like a nice big cast of characters, right? So then you can get lots of diversity. And I think you did a good job with that as well. Um, with where, and again, this is really difficult as a writer, right? Like uh, to have a cast of people and they're all very different, right? Um, mm -hmm. And they all have different voice and a different set of interests and different motivations. And like, I think you just, you managed that quite well. Uh, this is more of a uh, writing style type of question, but it also has to do with your book still. So are you a start with plot or start with characters type of writer? Um, I think for me, I was thinking about this question. I think I actually start with the concept so that's a little bit of plot and a little bit of character, but it's really the world, I think, especially in science fiction and fantasy, that the, the, the overarching concept of the world is usually the first thing that comes to me. And I think that figuring out the type of character that would be interesting within that world is kind of the next step. And quite often those things will happen at basically the same time. Um, and then from that, that develops, that the plot develops from there because the way that the character responds to this, the situation that the world presents is really what drives the plot, I think. So I think it's I think it's concept first, then character, then plot. Um, but, and the way that the character is going to act will influence how the plot develops, but also, of course, I make the decisions for the characters. So I can, you know, sometimes the kind of plot elements that I want to happen will then uh, come back around and influence the way that the character develops. So I think they're, they develop together and I think, with each draft, I kind of layer in more character development, even if the character's decisions are what created the plot in the first place, if that makes sense. So right. concept, plot, concept, character, plot, but then character and plot kind of seesaw back and forth uh, throughout the drafts um, in terms of the, their impact on the work. 
Wow, that's a that's a really unique answer. I don't think I've ever heard a writer say concept first because um, oh. I would say like thinking of a concept is actually one of the most difficult parts. I think there's a lot that I could learn from you. So this is great. And I guess the concept then springs from your inspiration, like those movies and whatever. Um, yeah, that's that's a cool answer. Never never thought of it like that. Um, okay, so this is an interesting question then. Can you tell us about any early additions to the story uh, or characters that were scrapped? So any, so to be more specific, maybe like, was there a character that disappeared or a scene that you were like, well, that didn't quite work, but so we scrapped it, but it was still really good. That's sort of Um No, I, I find that I, I very rarely have deleted scenes because I tend to write shorter and expand as the drafts go. So my books will get, usually the word count will grow by 25 to 30% by the end of the writing process. So I think that I'm much, much more likely to to add and expand than I am to cut and take things out. Um, so for example, I think that the character development really takes several drafts to develop. So some of the key character moments or romantic moments or, or sort of quieter moments, often those will come in quite late after I'm ready to write them. Um, and then in this particular book, I think that I also decided to uh, answer a couple more of the unknowns than I think I had left a few things a little bit more mysterious than they ended up being in the final draft because I wasn't sure whether or not I was going to do a sequel um, when I did that when I finished the book the first time and of course you know I did a lot of drafts so it took me a while to to really really finish it and so by that time I had gone back and actually clarified some of the answers and added in um, connections that existed that existed between the characters that I had not planned to reveal um, originally. So yeah, for me, it's always adding. It's, it's very, very rarely subtracting. So if I ever want to send, you know, bonus content to my newsletter readers or anything like that, I always have to write new stuff because I don't just have, usually don't have, you know, crap cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's cool. I, I think it's really interesting. Um, like just the broad range of like writing styles, because I, from my style is more that I just write too much. Like, like I, when I'm editing, I actually have to like um, condense and get take out things that just they don't need to be there. Um, mm -hmm. So that's like su such a gifting to have like um, a focus and not overwrite, right? Because then you're over editing, and then you're just you're you're more focused when you're writing what you need to, right? Yeah, yeah. You start. I always find that starting with the, the the skeleton, the bare bones, the most important parts of the story, and getting those down on paper first um, is the most important thing. And then it's a lot easier to only add in what really, really needs to be there. The danger then is that you don't do it enough, and then a book can feel rushed if you haven't spent the time like really developing and expanding. And I think that that is an advantage that a more expansive writer to start has because you will already have put down all the good stuff, um, and so you might be you know, you wouldn't necessarily be as likely to not go back in and add the stuff that really needs to be there. So I think there, there are positives to approaching it both ways. But yeah, for me, I always have, that's why I have to keep going back and going back and adding in those, those special scenes that maybe I, I hadn't thought of the first two times through. Yeah. Um, well, one scene that I'm thinking of in particular that I wonder if you, that was kind of a second or third draft scene 
was um, where you're describing in detail her climbing up to the surface after she's realized that she needs to get up there. She can't just stay uh, below forever and ever. Um, and what you did with the scene, like I, I was just, I was, I just thought it was a really, really well, like, I'm imagining that you needed to do some research into like, like what sort of muscles you use to be like engaging in that sort of exercise. Um, and the description of like, you just described it so well, like the noises and the smells and the like exertion and what she's feeling. And, and, um, in some ways, like, if you think of it as a film scene, that's something that they would have just like rushed right through, right? Like climb up. Right. But you used it really well in a book, I think, where it was showing more. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's she, she's having to like really work through her physical limits because she's tired and she's been through, you know, she's been through a lot already. And then she's also kind of dealing with the emotional toll of not knowing what she's going to find on the surface. So all of those things, I felt like you really needed to time to sit with it and you needed to feel how it would feel to be climbing a ladder for, I can't remember, I can't remember what the, the actual distance is. It's, it's, it's a long time. She spends a long time climbing this ladder. Yeah. Um, but I actually read an article from somebody who does uh, work on like a radio tower. And so he had actually written a blog post describing, here's what it's like to climb 1,592 steps straight up into the air. And that wasn't through oh a mind this book that was just up in the air and so describing you know the way that your hands feel and you know the way that you keep tying you know, making sure you attach yourself to the ladder every every 10 rungs or so so that if you fall you don't fall too far so <sighs> yeah all those things I found like really it was really really useful to have that to have that firsthand account because I have never climbed you know a thousand feet out of a mine shaft myself no. that's not a personal <laughs> experience that I have and I wasn't going to go and look for a thousand foot ladder to climb in order to do it but I think that you can kind of bring out elements of that from from personal accounts and then from the personal uh, elements that you're trying to add to to build the character yeah I just thought that was really good personally I probably would have been tempted to just like rush through that but I think it's really good that you didn't like it was it was very well done the next thing I was going to ask you about was a sequel. So you've been mentioning a series. Uh, so just give us a little synopsis of the sequel. Yeah. So, so the first book has a before and after timeline of the apocalypse. The apocalypse uh, this isn't a spoiler. A comet, comet hits the earth. Um, so book one, Wake Me After the Apocalypse, is all the before and the after, and it all focuses on Joanna. Book two is actually an entirely different cast of characters and it all takes place before. So it's kind of like a prequel and there are some there are some surprise, you know, visits from characters from from book 1, but book 2 is really all about how everybody learns about the apocalypse and then gets into the bunkers. So it's set in a different bunker. Um, and there are there are a bunch of different bunkers spread around the country um, within the within the context. Um, so first you have Joanna, you have before and after and then book 2 you have all the before um, and the characters are Charlotte and Jack. And then book three brings them all together. So you have all three characters and it's all set after the disaster, after the events of Wake Me After the Apocalypse. So it's the only time I've ever done a story with, with mixed up timelines in that way. Normally uh, all of my other series are just start at the beginning and go through until the end. Um, but for this one, it's before and after and then all before and then all after. Um, so I think that, I think there's, there's value and sort of dimension in reading them all, but you could probably technically 
start with either book one or book two and then read them in the opposite order. I've never tried that before, but I think it, it would be possible. Yeah, that would be really interesting. Uh, we definitely plan on, we're gonna do a few posts to uh, show our readers and viewers your sequel, prequel, and then second sequel <laughs> so that they know what they look like, where to find them and all the links. Um, because I mean, personally, I would just absolutely love to read them. I want to know exactly what happens next. Mm -hmm. I, I am the type, I can't just watch, uh, like midway through an episode. I can't, it just bothers. I can't do that. It's same with the books. I need, I need to read them all. Like just mm -hmm. if I love something just to finish up here, we are going to ask you one last question about what you're working on right now. Uh, well, I'm very excited about this because the first book in a new science fiction series just came out on the 15th of October. Um, it is called Replacement, and it's book one in the Lost Clone series. Um, and it is about a clone uh, named Jane, a teenage clone um, who has grown up in a facility for clones, uh, not, uh, and she does not know why she was created. Um, so all the other clones at her facility, they, they're all created for a purpose to take up particular jobs uh, for big corporations, uh, but she doesn't know why she was made and why she's the only one of her type. Uh, so at the beginning of the story, she's actually hired by this powerful tycoon to replace a girl from the same clone batch as her that she hadn't realized existed, um, who is the best friend of this powerful tycoon's son, Isaac. And so she has to actually replace uh, this clone and convince Isaac that his best friend is still alive, of course, without getting too close to him. Um, and then she ends up having to, to solve a mystery. So it's a murder mystery and it's set in a big science fiction city. Uh, and it's just really a lot of fun. It's a, it's a single point of view story that's, that's I think, um, pacey and fun um, and brings in a lot of world building. And, and um, I just had a blast with it. I had a blast writing it. So hopefully people will enjoy reading it too. And it's called Replacement and it's, in, it's number one in the Lost Clone series. So right now I'm writing the rough draft of book two. Oh, that's that. awesome. Yeah, that sounds really, really interesting. I mean, I haven't read a lot about uh, clones, but like clones are always such a great sci-fi trope, right? Like yeah. to go with. Um, and it sounds like the way that you you took it is quite unique, which is, it's great. Yeah, because I definitely, I mean, I don't, I don't really invent any, any new ideas. There are no new ideas. I'm, I'm yeah. always, uh, I'm enjoying the opportunity to play with different ideas like, oh, the comet hitting earth, you know, that is an idea that's been done before, but I'm going to do it in my own way with my own spin and clones, you know, clones have been done before, but I'm, this is doing it in my own way and with my own spin. So that's part of what makes it so much fun that you get to do a lot of reading for research while also getting to try something new in your writing. One last question before we wrap up. I, I did already say that, but that's okay. Um, so if you were sitting face-to-face -face with a brand new writer who wants to work on their first novel, what like just one piece of advice for that person yeah um i think that the biggest thing is to carve out designated writing time in your week even if it's only two hours once a week uh or it could be one hour every day it could be two hours once a week whatever it is make sure that that is your designated writing time you always turn up whether you feel like writing or not um and you always sit down for that designated amount of time i recommend going to a coffee shop if you can if you have the option it might just be setting aside a corner in your room, whatever it is, the most important part is giving yourself that time that is that is only for writing um, and that you don't wait until you feel like writing, that you always turn up whether you feel like writing or not. And that is how you will be able to consistently work through a project. Um, I think it's also really useful to plan at least your, your major uh, 
three act structure to figure out like the basic goalposts of your story, even if you're planning to uh, pants your way through the story. I think that at least figuring out the basic arc of the story will also help you a lot um, as you as you sit down to do your rough draft. Um, but yeah, figure out your three act structure and then make sure that you have your your dedicated writing time, um, whatever in whatever schedule works for you with your life, and that's how you get stuff done. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks so much for uh, coming on our show. It's been amazing talking to you and learning from you, uh, and we wish you luck with your second book in this new series and with of course the release of your new book oh thank you so much thank you hazel it's been really uh really nice to talk to you be sure to check out wake me up after the apocalypse and uh, stay tuned for our review well thanks for joining us be sure to subscribe to our channel. We've got some great shows coming up with amazing practical advice for writers, and for the bookworms, fun features on new and exciting books soon to be released. You don't want to miss out. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for all the updates. And if you'd like to be on our show, pitch us your idea on any of our pages. Until next time, keep writing, keep reading, and you'll live a thousand lives.